Morning, everyone. Really excited to announce that between now and the um, end of the 10th of December for Americans or the 11th of December if you're a New Zealander, we, in our final Origin Gate podcast, we're going to be doing a leverage trade for all of those people who have participated in teaching and instructing through the Wisdoms Echo podcast that have been on. I'd really love it if you folks would consider sowing into the lives of these people so that we can bless them over the Christmas period and um, give them a reward for their labor of love that has gone on over the last 12 months for you to provide for you the information that Yahweh has laid in their hearts to, to disseminate for you. So much of this is very, very exciting for us to look forward to for the next year, and we look forward to having you again with us over the next 12 months. Have a fantastic day. Shalom. Welcome to Origin Gates Daily Podcast, Wisdom's Echo. This is Liam O'Brien. Today I want to continue exploring some of the scripture from James, and uh, the book of James, and I want to pick it up in uh, James chapter 1, verse 12. And I've entitled this one, Practical Living in This World. So starting at verse 12, as we uh, explore this and unpack this, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, or temptation. I think temptation is a better uh, word to be used in this uh, context here. So blessed is the man who perseveres under temptation. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Verse 13, let no one say when he is tempted, I am te- being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. And that's hence why I think temptation's a better word to be used in verse 12. Verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. 15. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Verse 18. In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. So there's a few things I just want to take away from this scripture. So point one here I've entitled, We Will Face Temptations with Evil and Sin. And as it opens in verse 12 there, it says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under temptation, which has implied that the world that we live in, the fallen world, the broken world, there will be temptations around us. There will be temptations for evil. There will be temptations for sin. So as we walk and grow in our Christian walk, and it's not that there's a complete absence of temptation and an evil and sin around us, but how we manage that, and we, as we grow in our maturity, as we grow in our walk, we become more skilled or we develop uh, more awareness of how to actually manage those temptations. And I think what it says there, you know, for, um, for those who, who have been once been approved, 
they will receive a crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. And I think this connects well with uh, John fourteen fifteen. This is where Jesus is talking, where Christ is talking, saying, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And there's, a, there's that's a demonstration of our love to him as promised to those who love him. Then I think it moves to here to take away is who is being tempted. And relative to the previous passages, which we explored about trials, and I think it's important to differentiate the uh, between trials and temptations. Trials can be authored by God and they can be a process that he works in our lives to shape us, mold us, mature us into the person, uh, the people that he's wanting us to be. Whereas temptations, where the Bible says here, was James it says here in James, um, are not ordered by God. It said God cannot be tempted you know, it, sorry, so let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil. So to be able to differentiate the two between what's a trial and what's a temptation, and I think the probably the easiest way to do that is the following verses is when it starts to move in, but each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. So we start at last, which is a thought, uh, which yeah, there could be many definitions, but I think one that's fitting with this passage of scripture is a thought, uh, something that, um, you know, an, an idea, a thought, or um, a fantasy, or a, um, you know, an imagination, or anything like that 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 is not aligned with Christ that is not that does not give uh, glory to to the Lord and then there's a pattern which unfolds in the following verses between from last which is that initial thought it's something that uh happen um that comes into our mind to sin um which to death and to break this down, lust means that what's the difference between just a thought and lust? Lust, I believe, is a dwelt-on thought. Uh, it's where you've, where you've taken that and you've... Um, I think it's the inverse of taking, not taking a thought captive. We're, we're instructed to take our thoughts captive and it in and of itself is just to have a thought is not a sin. It's then we are instructed to take that thought captive. And if that thought is not of the Lord, if that is not rooted in righteousness, then we are to take that thought captive. If it is a thought which is rooted in righteousness, we can allow that to explore and expand and become more in our lives and allow that to move into an action phase. It may be a scripture that comes to your mind. It may be uh, something else with the spirit is stirring inside you, which is which is in line with the fruits of the spirit, which is in line with God's word. So then, you know, the sin is the action part of it, and so there's the contrary to that is the action of righteousness as well. So to the temptation is the initial. Then the scripture talks about here in terms of lust. Each one is tempted when he's carried away, enticed by his own lust. But then when lust has conceived, which has a process or implies a process of um, maturing or developing or growing, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. So 
yeah, just being able to be aware of that pattern and taking those thoughts captive. And I think we see that in uh, Matthew five twenty seven in the Sermon on the Mount where Christ is talking. He says, uh, you have heard it that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So that that gives us that same context of, you know, taking our thoughts captive and what implies uh, looking at lust uh, versus um, being lustful versus um, then moving on to committing the act, uh, which can be physical, but it can also, the sin can, can be the lustful dwelling on that. And then lastly, this bit of passage which we have read, it talks about every good gift is from the Lord, which is a contrast to the previous verses where it's talking about lust to sin, to death pattern, about identifying all the good gifts from the Lord. And they're saying that he's true in that. There's no variation. There's no shifting of his shadow. Um, his word has brought us forth and um, into truth. So there's the contrary to that. And, and that reminds me of one of the other teachings I did on displacing lies with truth. So to be able to identify the good things and every uh, perfect gift that is given from above and being able to acknowledge that's from the Lord. So we see a contrast here between trials and temptations. We see the contrast between lust and sin, and then we see between the good gifts and the truth that comes from the Lord. So we see these two contrasts, and as we mature and grow, to be able to identify between the two, which which is this, which is the actual, you know, the, to be able to differentiate between these in our lives is important. So moving along to in James 19, it says there, This you know, my beloved brethren. But everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word, not merely hearers, who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides in it, having not become a forgetful hearer, but an actual doer, this man will be blessed in all he does. So I've, I've, this point I've put for this one in point two is learn and do the word. And so we've got different, as we explore this passage of, of scripture, a couple of things which I draw out of this is firstly is uh, you know, be quick to hear which I take that as a teachable spirit and heart. Someone who's quick to speak, um, it's very difficult to 
be speaking and actively engaged in listening at the same time. And I think that's wisdom and I think that's a humility in that to say, hey, look, I don't know as much as maybe I think I know and I'm willing to have a teachable heart and spirit to learn from others. And it's interesting It's where it be quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to anger. And it kind of implies here that by being quick to hear and slow to speak, it will produce a slowness in anger. But the inverse is if we're, if we're, if we're not quick to hear, meaning that we are, we're rather quick to speak rather than to listen, it can lead to being quick to anger. So there's a measuredness, there's a, a controlling, a discipline, a restraining of that um, within our lives. And there's also a humility, and it says there in uh, verse 21, in humility receive the implanted word. And humility, part of humility is acknowledging that I, I don't know everything. There's, there's a acknowledging that I can learn from others. I can grow in different areas and that by having a humble heart, by having a humble spirit allows us to receive that implanted word. And moving into verse 22, where now it's talking about the actions of the word is be doers of the word and not mere, merely hearers. And I think there's there's an intentionality with that as well to say okay I'm, I'm it's great to hear this and it's great that this has been implanted in my heart and I've come to know this but how am I walking it out in my life and I think verse 25 where it says but anyone who intently sorry anyone who looks intently at the perfect law and intently captures that word intentionality is it's a deeper, it's not a glance. If you look intently at something, it's to study, it's to understand it. And that produces the fruit of putting that into practice in our lives. And and as we abide in that, and as it says, not having become forgetful hearers, but effective, but uh, effectual doers. So by actually not just being a forgetful hearer of the word, but being an actual doer. This man will be blessed in what he does. And I think that's powerful. It's a powerful promise to encourage us, to motivate us, to look intently into the word of the Lord, study it, memorize it, uh, talk about it, discuss it, listen to other people who expand upon the word, ultimately to have it implanted in our hearts and our lives that through the our lives through our eyes we start to see that the opportunities and that that word starts to overflow out of our hearts and then to become actual um, doers as we do that will be blessed in what we do and lastly picking up in verse 26 for if anyone thinks himself to be religious yet does not a not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart this man's religion is worthless pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our god and father is this to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world 
And I've titled the point three here, Worthful Religion. And we've got a contrast here of worthless religion versus pure and undefiled religion in the sight of the Lord. And it starts off there with, uh, yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart. And I think we need to speak congruently from our hearts is the one of the takeaways I take from this uh, passage of Scripture. And as we just discussed about the word being implanted in our heart, I think we all know when we're congruently speaking and what we're speaking is truth that we've come to know, we've come to realize that we've walked out, that we've been doers of in our own lives. And when we speak that, uh, from from our own heart and rather than words that we actually haven't walked out we haven't actually been doers of um, which is I, I feel there where it's coming about um, deceiving your own heart um, and not bridling your tongue but allow those things to walk them out in your own life before just talking about them and giving the impression that you know these things in any form of detail, but you haven't walked them out in your own life. Verse uh, 27, James 1.27 is one of my favorite scriptures. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself unstained by the world. And I think this is really powerful in the sense that where, you know, to pure and undefiled religion is such a strong statement in itself, but then it's attached to looking after the poor, needy widows and orphans. And I think if we, if we put this in today's society, the orphans are, could be the single mothers, those people who aren't in a family construct or children not in a full family construct um, that may not have um, parents around and same with the widows could be the single mothers or it could be um, could be people trapped in the sex trade it could be different things and then lastly keep keep oneself unstained from the world so as you have that outward perspective of the people of needs around you don't take that too far where you become stained by the world still keep that in perspective and walk in pureness and walk in holiness and as those other things we don't, uh, we've discussed about don't be tempted by evil so three thoughts i'll leave you with you know we will face evil uh, we will face temptations with evil and sin to learn and do the word in our lives and three let's have a worthful religious religion rather than a worthless religion. So I hope that's blessed you today. Shalom.